You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Frank Lampard, no more Thomas Tuchel ready to come in as Chelsea make some moves. We have Fabrizio Romano to talk this and much more, specifically with transfers as the January transfer window begins to close. We have James Bench to discuss Frank Lampard and what next for him. And we have Jonathan Johnson from Paris to discuss Thomas Tuchel as he begins his path with Chelsea. Stay right here. Que Golazo begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Que Golazo on this Monday. And I'm here with Fabrizio Romano for our usual dose of fab of the week. But Fabrizio, you woke me up with some big news once again. So we have to talk about it. Of course, as everybody already knows, Frank Lampard is gone out of Chelsea and reports confirmed from you right now. Thomas Tuchel in. I'm sure that by the time listeners uh, listen to this, but it's already been confirmed by Chelsea. Maybe not. But explain to us all the situation as, of course, we wake up on Monday and Chelsea making some big moves. First of all, it's promising for this week just because we're in the last week of transfers and having this kind of situation is good. So, first of all, thank you for having me. Always a big pleasure to be on Kegolasso. And yes, it's a big one for Chelsea. It's a big one just because talking about like behind the scenes what happened also last week, Frank Lampard was really close to be second, really, really close to be second. Then Roman Abramovich decided to, to take some time to decide for some more days to, to take his decision. And then now it's gone. It's gone just because he wasn't so happy with the situation here. And I'm talking about Roman Abramovich. He wasn't so happy about the situation of the team. He wasn't so happy about the situation of the playing style of Chelsea. After spending a lot of money last summer looking at this kind of team, with no quality, he wasn't really so happy. And a lot of people around the board, around Chelsea, were disappointed about the situation. So also Frank Lampard was really nervous in the last games, also in the pre-match conference and press, press conference. So at the moment, the situation was really difficult for Frank Lampard. And that's why Frank Lampard and, and Chelsea decided to part ways and Chelsea decided to sack him. So the situation was really difficult for him. They were in contact with an important agent offering Thomas Tuchel for many and many weeks. So they had this chance to go for a German manager for players to help players like Wawerts, like Werner in difficult situation. They spent like 150 million euro to sign these two players and they were not performing like Giroud was going better than, than Werner and also Kai Havertz in a difficult situation. So they decided to go for a German manager over like other ones like Massimiliano Allegri also was an option, but he was never in touch in the last weeks with Chelsea board. So Thomas Tuchel has been always in mind for Chelsea board, and then they decided to go for him immediately after they decided to, to sack for Lampard. So I'm imagining then, Fabrizio, that once Tuchel left PSG, probably like a week or so, and then maybe that's when Abramovich and the board were thinking Tuchel could come in, because it's been a plan for a while now. Yes, yes. And I can tell you that also in the day when he was going to be sacked from, from Paris Saint-Germain in the Christmas days, he already knew about this interest of, of Chelsea. It wasn't so direct because it was between agents, you know, this kind of situation between the board and the agents. But he knew that Chelsea were interested. And if Chelsea were going to be 
convinced of sacking Frank Lampard, they were going for him. So he was like convinced that he had this chance in, in the Premier League. Also, Manchester United were in a difficult situation like in November and he had some rumours about him with Manchester United. So he was feeling that something with Premier League was going to happen this, this year and and that's it with Chelsea, as you mentioned, was the serious one, just because with Lampard, the situation was really, really difficult by weeks. So all it took, as you said, was Roman Abramovich was just waiting a little bit. Last week, he was thinking about making the decision, but maybe prolonging it for a week with Lampard. And then now, now it's done. And, and, I, and, and because the conversations were already done, or at least the interest was already there with Tuchel. Yes. It was just, it wasn't a surprise to Tuchel that Chelsea came to them and said, listen. Absolutely no. You're right. <laughs> well, that's the business of this game, I guess. Uh, one egg in, one egg out, one egg in, one egg out. That's, that's how always it happens. And well, we'll see what happens. And we have James Bench to discuss Frank Lampard. We have Jonathan Johnson to discuss what to expect from Thomas Tuchel as he, uh, you know, basically comes in a, a dream job for him. The Premier League has always been a dream job for him, right? Yes, always been a dream job, in particular with clubs like Chelsea, you know, with fighting, the possibility of fighting to win. And he has the dream of winning the Premier League. So for him, it's always been a dream, as you mentioned. And it's a big chance for him just because going after Paris Saint-Germain to Chelsea, he's going for a top career. So he's so happy also about his work. Also because we have, uh, we're going to discuss, as you mentioned, with, with James and, and with Jonathan, they are perfect to talk about Tuchel. And also what I heard about the manager is that he's so good with stars. We start with good players, important players. He's so good also with direct relationship with the players. He's appreciated by important players. And when you work in clubs like Paris Saint-Germain, having stars like Mbappé, like Neymar, it's not so easy to be in the same dressing room with this kind of people and the players, but for sure, uh, he was perfect with the players. He had some problems with the board and with Leonardo. And Jonathan is going to explicate to you about these details and everything. But he has some problems with Leonardo. And I hope for him that a Chelsea situation will be different. Because if you want a manager like Tuchel, you have to be with him, backing him also about the, the deals and, the, and everything you're going to do on the transfer window. So I don't expect anything big for this week, just because Chelsea board know that the situation was really poor also because signing 10 new players in the same window was a problem for Chelsea because you have a total different team so going to sign another two players right now would be like crazy from Chelsea but for sure next summer they will go to important players again and they need to go together with Thomas Tuchel because if they go against Thomas Tuchel they have the same problems he had with Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, and as you said, Jonathan Johnson will talk to us about this uh, later on. A lot of great information, including, of course, his relationship with Thiago Silva that he already had, his relationship as well with Christian Pulisic from Borussia Dortmund days, and, of course, the German players. A lot to discuss. All right, but Fabrizio is not just here to talk Frank Lampard, Thomas Tuchel. As you know, so many pieces of information as a transfer window, at least for the Premier League, is closing down. Let's begin right there, uh, uh, Fab. Let's talk about, obviously, Arsenal. And uh, Odegaard, uh, a fantastic loan move, I feel, from Arsenal's perspective. Yes, I agree with you. Amazing move, really amazing player. We're talking about a top talent. He wasn't playing so much at Real Madrid just because they have a lot of stars, so it was difficult for him. He has, like, seven days ago, he asked to Zidane to leave the club just to have his game time and everything. He was really close to join Real Sociedad again on loan, on simple loan. They were discussing also between clubs, Real Sociedad and Real Madrid, then the situation changed, totally changed when Mikel Arteta called, Odegaard called his family, his dad, and also his agent, trying to push to have him in the Premier League, and Odegaard decided to change, also because coming back to Real Sociedad would be like 
okay, he was happy, he loved Real Sociedad, but was, okay, I'm coming back to the same club, is not the best way to develop his career. So that's why I decided to go to Arsenal, and the deal is absolutely done and signed. He's finalizing also last details about contracts and medicals and everything, but it's done. It will be a simple loan till the end of the season. Then at the end of the season, Arsenal board and Real Madrid board will discuss about the situation of, of Vodgaard and the same for Dani Ceballos. So they will see what they want to do next season with these players. It will also depend by the managers. For example, if Zidane will be the manager of Real Madrid next season, if another manager will decide to keep Vodgaard, we will see. At the moment, Arsenal are happy with the loan. They want to discover this amazing talent. And good luck to Vodgaard because, as you mentioned, in my opinion, it's really a fantastic move for a really interesting, talented player. And he's only 22, which is kind of crazy. Like he's been around forever, I feel. Uh, good move all around. All right. Another one, very excited about this. We've talked about him for so long. I wrote a piece about it. You, of course, have been behind the scenes on this one. Moises Caicedo. Amazing. Brighton getting Moises Caicedo. What's the latest on that? Yes, it's just a matter of time. I think in some days they will complete everything, but the deal is almost done and agreed between Independiente del Valle in Brighton, the agreement is, is totally done, around 6 million euro with a percentage for the future sale of the player. So interesting deal, really amazing talent. I'm curious to see him in the Premier League. He also had some possibility, as we mentioned many times, with Manchester United, but they decided to not go for young talents in this window just because they want to plan for next summer for important players over young talents as because they had, obviously, Pellistri and Amadiallo. But, uh, so yes, he's, he's coming to Brighton and the deal is as moved on. So I'm just waiting for the signings and everything on the contract, then it will be done. Now, uh, speaking of Manchester United, uh, a very good uh, last week for them uh, on Sunday with uh, beating Liverpool and then the Glazer family celebrating Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to the Super Bowl. It's a very good time for them. Uh, in terms of this transfer window, as it closes, anything from United? I mean, Medina, Facundo Medina was uh, you know, reported. Anything there? lot of rumors about this guy because he's an interesting, interesting centre-back from Lens in France. He's an Argentinian. He's a good player, but at the moment I'm told that Manchester United are not working to sign him in this window. Then next summer, who knows? Let's see what's going on. But at the moment, there is nothing to sign him. At the moment, Manchester United are really quiet, you know, because as you mentioned, it's a positive moment. Also for the team, they are top of the league. They have a positive atmosphere with the players, with Ole. So they don't want to change too much. Also going for another player would be like a possible problem, a potential problem, also like players like Ericsson, you know. We have a lot of rumors about him, but with Manchester United, there is nothing for Christian Ericsson. And, and let's see what's going on, but I don't expect anything big in this window for Manchester United. They are planning for the next one. I guess it's uh, that saying, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So just leave that's it alone. It. <laughs> I guess that's good for Manchester United. All right, let's move from the Premier League. And now let's go to La Liga because uh, a few exciting uh, transfer news here. But let's talk about Alaba. You know, you've talked about this, uh, the Real Madrid move uh, for a while now. Uh, that's basically done. How are we looking there? Yes, done as agreement, verbal agreement between David Alaba and Real Madrid is not signed yet. And as you know, with free agents, we have to be careful till the last moment. But yes, the verbal agreement is done just because Alaba wants to join Real Madrid. As we always mention, his dream is to join Real Madrid. So we have a lot of rumors here in Europe also about Chelsea and Barcelona and many options. But at the moment, David Alaba wants to go to Real Madrid. He's convinced that he will play for Real Madrid. He will sign the contract. This is the question in the coming days, in the coming weeks. We will see just because Real Madrid are fixing something about the contrast and everything about the salary. It will be around 12 million euros after taxes. 
first season for David Alaba for four years as Real Madrid player, so it's an important salary, but for sure he wants to join Real Madrid, so at the moment the deal is really at the advanced stages and soon will be complete. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, well, actually, here's one that I'm really excited about. Uh, Sevilla. Monchi working his magic. And Papu Gomez, uh, Fabrizio, uh, heading to Sevilla. Yes, and what I want to say is that I, I love this kind of feeling because right now there is a meeting between people from Sevilla and people from Atlanta talking about the situation of Papu Gomez, trying to complete the deal. I love this feeling because it's so exciting when you are asking people around the deal, okay, it's done, now it's done, now it's done. And I'm asking like 24 hours asking just because they are negotiating during the weekend and everything. But it's really close. It's really close. Papu Gomez is really, really close to join Sevilla. It's just a matter of details. Then everything will be, will be done. It will be around 7 or 8 million euro, in my opinion, bargain, really. Congrats to Sevilla. And as you mentioned, Monchi is magic when he has to do this kind of deals because he's really an amazing director. And Papu Gomez wants to join Sevilla. He has some options, had some options also from the MLS because Cincinnati with Yapstam were trying to convince him. Also, Ertha Berlin in the Bundesliga contacted Papu Gomez and his agent. But at the moment, the decision for Papu Gomez is he wants to join La Liga. He wants to join Sevilla. Also because Sevilla is a fantastic link and connection with Argentinian players, as you know, Ocampos and many others. So he wants to go to Sevilla. He has the agreement with Sevilla for a three years contract. So he's ready. It's just a matter between clubs. It's like one million euro missing, one or two million euro, but then the deal will be complete. That is a ridiculous deal. If they, that's just Monchi magic. And with uh, Benega leaving, this is Papu Gomez essentially coming in. And honestly, like uh, uh, even an improvement there, I say, because Papu Gomez is just magic. And as you said, Monchi working his deals. All right, let's move to Italy. Italy, uh, Fab, where you are right now. And Weston McKinney, we talked about him on the show yesterday. Uh, he scored for Juventus against Bologna. Uh, in our opinion right now, he is the best male American player. I think he's doing tremendous things. What's the latest with him and the loan move? Juventus want to keep him? Are they happy with just this season? What's the latest? First of all, I want to say I totally agree with you. He's the best one, but he's the best one here. One of the best midfielders we have in Italy right now, I would say. Obviously, we have a lot of top players, Milikovic, Savic, Barella, okay, but he's amazing, really. He's fighting, he's running, he's scoring, he's giving assists. He's really an amazing guy, always smiling. So I really like this kind of players. And Juventus are really, really happy with, with Weston. So they have an obligation to buy for Weston McKennie if they will go to the Champions League this season. This is in Serie A is a bit particular because a lot of clubs are in the top of the table, so it's not so easy, but I'm convinced that Juventus will be in the Champions League next season. And, and so they have to buy McKennie, but they want to buy McKennie and it not depends by the Champions League and everything. They have also a buy option if they want for 18 million euro and they also have some add-ons around 7 million euro more to pay to Schalke if they will go, for example, for winning the league and everything. But for sure, they want McKennie in the team also for next season. They are really happy. The director of Juventus, Fabio Fratici, when inside him, he told me trust me, this guy will be amazing in the Serie A. No one knew it just because in Italy people are not looking to the Bundesliga, but he told me this guy is fantastic, will be an amazing midfielder, and congrats to Juventus, and they will go for him also next season. Amazing, amazing. And also, finally, uh, Fabrizio, in terms of transfers, Brian Reynolds, uh, you know, the move was supposed to Juventus, Benevento, but I think Roma is stepping in here. 
yes, they made a new bid for 7 million euro last week, and it was the right one just because they convinced also the player, just because, as we mentioned many times, Juventus with Benevento had to, to send the players to Benevento for six months before joining Juventus because of the extra European slots they don't have in this moment for Juventus. And for Roma, it's different. They have the possibility of signing him right now, giving him the possibility of playing for a top club like Roma immediately. So the player was happy with this possibility. They made an important bid also to the player, not just to, to Dallas. So the agreement is really like ready. I think this week they will complete everything. Like between today and tomorrow, they hope to complete everything with Dallas and with the player. And then the deal will be done. So Reynolds is joining Roma. It was a long race, as we mentioned many times, with Juventus, Benevento, and then the situation with Bruges, and then Roma trying since the start of December. But now the deal is going to be completed. So Brian Reynolds will play in Italy as new Roma player. Wow, wow. Another step for American male talent. Kind of incredible. All right, before we say goodbye to you, Fabrizio, I wanted to ask you. Uh, the Milan Derby, Coppa Italia. Uh, is on Tuesday. Um, Milan uh, lost uh, convincingly against Atalanta this weekend. And Inter Milan could have taken advantage, but they didn't. Udinese held them to a stalemate. But Milan derbies are always special. Uh, what's the feeling in terms of, even if it's Coppa Italia, how big is it regarded over there in Italy? And how big is this game coming up? It's so, so important. I live in Milano, so I know the feeling around the city and the fans. It's not just about the fans, it's also about the teams. Because as you mentioned, after this mm, terrible defeat for AC Milan in San Siro against Atalanta, and Inter were not so good against Udinese, we were expecting Inter to win this kind of match. And they had a draw, and with AC Milan losing, it was a big opportunity that Inter lost during the weekend. So in this derby, they have like to send something important also to the other team. They are together like close to the, Inter close to the top of the table and AC Milan on the top of the table of the Serie A. So Inter want to win also to say to AC Milan, okay, in this moment we are stronger also because in one month, exactly in one month, we will have the derby also in the Serie A. So it will be important like to show your qualities immediately in the Coppa Italia. I think it will be a difficult derby for both clubs because they are really in a difficult moment also by the physical way, you know. They are playing like every three days. Inter are really tired. And also Similan players like Ibrahimovic, he's not performing at his best level. Also in the match against Atalanta, he was not at his best skills and level. So I think it will be, we will have the possibility of seeing this kind of match going to the penalties. That's my idea. I expect this match to go to the penalties. And if I have to say, I see AC Milan winning at the penalties. That's my feeling. Wow. What's, what's the vibe in Milan? Is it more, uh, is it more uh, you know, red and black or is it more uh, blue and black? Which, which, which way is it going? You know, in the center of Milano, it's more blue and black. Then, like outside of Milano, it's more red and, and, and black. That's it. That's it. It's like Juventus and Torino. In right. Torino, it, there are Torino fans and outside we have a lot of Juventus fans. Yes. Interesting. But it's really, it's really 60-40, yeah. It's really close between Inter and AC Milan. But you're a Napoli fan, right? So you have to stay away from all of this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not a Napoli fan. I'm oh, not you're not? Fan. What are no, you? No, I'm not. No, I, I can't say. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't. Or in Italy, they kill you. No, 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 I can't. Oh, my God. Breaking news. I cannot say that. Nobody <laughs> no, ever... but I'm not a Napoli fan. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that I love one English club. I'm going to tell you. It's Watford. I love Watford. I always mention Watford. Really? Watford yes, is your Watford. team. That's yes, great. I, I was I was watching the match was for Leicester, the crazy match with Troy Dini. Since yeah. this day, I'm Watford fan. Then they have Italian ownership. So I met with people at Watford. I've been in Vicarage and I love Watford. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, listen, <laughs> Watford had Andre Carrillo, the Peruvian. So there's a little <laughs> there's a little soft spot there. All right, yeah. Fabrizio. Always good to have you, my friend. Uh, remember to follow him on Twitter, Fabrizio Romano. 
Uh, James Benj and Jonathan Johnson are coming up. But Fabrizio, thank you so much. Thank you. Always a big pleasure. And stay with Kegolazo because Jonathan and James are perfect to talk about the crazy situation about Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Que Golasso. And now we have James Bench, our contributor from the UK, knows all about, of course, this uh, recent firing and the Premier League. He's here to discuss it all. James, uh, first off, how are you, my man? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, crazy start to my day off. Chelsea always seem to be doing things like this. Yes, second inconvenient times. Absolutely. It should be noted, by the way, that James is joining us on his day off. So I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, Champions League, CBS overlords, please listen for that bonus when Christmas comes <laughs> around. James, all right, let's talk Frank Lampard. Um, he's gone. Uh, he's done. Former uh, captain, former legend of Chelsea, of course, uh, before that at Derby. But now the tenure with Chelsea, his beloved Chelsea, is over. Some of us predicted it. Some of us didn't. Some of us predicted it earlier than this. Some of us maybe thought he'd last until at least the Champions League and see what happens there. But here it is. Roman Abramovich says goodbye. What are your initial thoughts regarding uh, the Lampard firing? Um, I certainly wasn't surprised, as ever. It's always a matter of timing when you get to the level where you, your team has lost five of their last eight games. To be honest, any Premier League manager, that's not good enough. And for a team like Chelsea, um, there's nowhere near good enough. I mean, I think that the, the idea that they were title contenders, I don't think that was really something that, that Chelsea believed. But what they did expect is to compete for a top four finish and, and get it quite comfortably, um, particularly when you look at a lot of the other teams and that they would look at as their rivals have struggled and have struggled throughout Lampard's tenure. And I think it's important to sort of caveat when we say he did good stuff in the first season, and he did, we caveat that with the fact that, you know, it was a four or five horse race for four spots in the top four. Um, and this season, you, you caveat his difficulties by saying, I think he was played quite a tough hand with the squad that was built. I don't really know what the right, the right system is to get the best out of the players he's got. Um, but ultimately, that's that's why I'm not paid to be Chelsea manager, and he is, and he never got there. He never did. And if you can't get the best out of your players, and if you can't get results in spite of your players struggling at Chelsea, you've got a couple of months. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I said, James, on Twitter, I'm wondering what your thoughts are, was I thought that basically the reason why I also am not surprised is because, well, there were certain limitations that I saw of him as a manager back when, when he was with Derby. Um, I thought that sometimes uh, weirdly in the championship, I guess because it was his first uh, managerial gig, but he, he looked a little overwhelmed, especially in times of pressure during certain matches. And then when the Chelsea job came, 
that comes with all the overwhelming pressure, all the money that was spent with X player and Y player, et cetera. And the fact that he was a former captain, uh, one of the most legendary players for Chelsea, all of that just added into one thing that is just a little bit too much. And the other part was, I thought that this squad that they have is well suited for the Champions League, but not the Premier League, which is actually not fully Frank Lampard's fault. Right. So I'm, I'm feeling that those two main things were a reason why I thought this was happening. I'm wondering what you th- think about either one. Do you, Frank Lampard as a manager and the squad in itself, which you also mentioned, of course, regarding, uh, you know, what they can do as a whole. Yeah, I'm fascinated by that issue of how he dealt with pressure. I, I was in his final pre-match press conference um, ahead of Luton. It was that or Mourinho. And normally you go, Jose is going to be fun. But yeah, I think I made the right choice going along to Lampard because um, it's clear he ha- he was not coping. And I, I don't know, um, it sounds like it was kind of something that was in the offing um, for those above him beforehand that they were looking at sacking him a fair while before the Luton game. I don't know whether he knew, but he, clearly he was someone that understood the writing was on the wall. Um, he was snapping at journalists, uh, he, you know, kind of unprompted as well, you know. Um, getting very argumentative about Havertz and Werner. I think, you know, looking at uh, at my profession and, you know, I wouldn't attempt to speak for everyone. I think one of the challenges Lampard has is that he has never got a particularly hard ride from the media. He's really admired by people that have been in this profession a lot longer than me because he has been very good for the media. He will always speak. He speaks his mind. He engages with you when you ask him a question, but, Unfortunately, you know, it's not our job to to cheerlead for Lampard. And, and I think, you know, in spite of what some people might be, have been doing this morning. And um, I think he has not dealt well with being asked questions about his own performance. And we saw a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot in the last month that he was reflecting that back on the players quite forcefully. And that tactic can work. But it's, you know, it's a real long shot. It's a swing for the fences. And if you miss this, you know, you're out. Um, it's a it was a, an almighty gamble, and I don't think he had a group of players there that were going to be particularly receptive to being told how how disappointed their manager was and how they weren't living up to expectations. Because you know, he, I don't think he was giving them the tools to succeed. I don't think he was tactically particularly where there was. I found it really funny, uh, and maybe this is just me, but you know, he, in his final press conference, he was talking about. 4-3-3 and 4-2-3-1 won't get us out of this. It's about, I've got the exact quote here, passion, determination, and uh, there's one other thing. Well, you know what I mean? It, 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 and that actually you think, well, but wait a minute, the exact problem you had with this team is you had all the quality in the world, but you've struggled to find a formation and a system to get the most out of it. And I think, you know, this is a real, you'd hope he learns from this, but um, it's not. this hasn't been about, motivation and man management it's been about his teams not playing good football yeah and i think sometimes just from a position basis it just didn't make sense i've always thought kai havertz was under you know misused timo werner just losing so much i mean you know just a shadow of himself um and here's one thing though i feel like it was pretty amicable though james i mean roman abramovich never speaks of a manager once he's fired. Like that never happens. It's like, see ya, bye, here's your suitcases. Here's But with Frank Lampard, obviously, because of everything that he has given to the club itself as a player, uh, you know, it, it seemed that at least uh, it, it, it was left uh, in an amicable way. 
Yeah, I, I, I believe that's the first time Roman Abramovich has ever written something in a statement for an outgoing Chelsea uh, manager, which does show, I think, that, that they really didn't want to do this. Um, it, I wonder now whether, how, in what capacity we might see Lampard at Chelsea again. It's a, it's a tough one to get a read on because, you know, it's been bad enough that he wouldn't manage them again, I don't think. I don't think they would, they would look at that. Um, and I wonder what happens with his managerial career now, because Derby was good, but it wasn't great. You know, he took a, a, a playoff team to the playoffs. Um, Chelsea, he took a top four team to top four. Uh, I, I think it's a hard one to call. Well, that was my next question, actually. Like, what, what, what should... So we couldn't really dive a little deeper here. I mean, I'm wondering, because does he... Should he have taken the path like John Terry and become more of an assistant manager, you know, the way that he's doing it with Aston Villa or somebody like mm -hmm. that? Um, does he like reflect that a little bit? Maybe does he come back? Does he try and see if there's something in MLS in the next year or so? You know, what would be an interesting move for him to go back a few steps and learn a few things from bigger teams? Maybe a tier on reside, which is like go to a national team and learn what happens there. I'm wondering, uh, because obviously the options will come. I mean, like you said, he's a well-respected uh, former player and coach and person. So I'm wondering what the next step will be. Well, I mean, obviously, when we think about Frank Lampard, we always think about Steven Gerrard as well. <laughs> and True. I know he's doing quite well at, at Rangers. And it, it's tough because that's, that's not a small job by any stretch of the imagination. But it is a job where you're not... It is not a massive job. It's not a job where you're confronted with world-class players hundreds of millions of pounds spent and you've got to deal with that and there is no time. I think he needs somewhere, uh, be it out of the limelight a little bit as Gerard is or Terry is. I, actually, I, I think really it's being out of the limelight in whatever job. Um, I, you know, I personally think there's great value in learning your coaching somewhere else, as a, whether it's an assistant or in the youth leagues. And you see this with a lot of good coaches, you know, obviously, Arteta at Arsenal, we've seen that. Gerard as, as well had quite a lengthy spell, I think, with the Liverpool youth team. Um, you know, and you even see, I mean, people like Sol Campbell do this at a much lower level. Yep. And I, I think you need, you know, you need to learn how to deal with, you know, individuals before those individuals become more powerful than your club or before they become, you know, so import, expensive and important that they ultimately always hold sway over the manager. You know, if you go and work in League One, League Two, the lower regions of the championship, as much as there's no such thing as job stability in the English game, you know, the players are, are much more transient. You know, Chelsea in the end, of, and we see this with who they've re replaced him with, Chelsea have basically said, well, this is, you know, Kai Havertz and Timo Werner's team for the next half decade, unless things go really badly wrong. Um, and I actually end up personally, I think it will be Havertz or Werner. I don't see how they fit together very easily. Mm. But, you know, you, you need to be at a job where you're the most important person, where you're the person that gets to sculpt the identity, you know, not Havertz and Werner. And that's no criticism of those two players. That's just what happens when you're a really good footballer and you have a huge price tag. That's what Lampard needs. I think the challenge is always going to be it's hard to find clubs that are quiet enough that you can do that. So maybe it is, maybe it's being an assistant. Hey, maybe it's being Thomas Tuchel's assistant. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Right. Would be an awkward experience, but you know, I mean, maybe it's going and working with Southgate at England. I think he's a great coach. Maybe, 
maybe going and um, you know with a more experienced manager one of the challenges I think when you're really closely associated with Chelsea or you know a big club is it it takes a lot of other jobs out there he couldn't exactly go and work with Mourinho could he um, but yeah take taking his time I don't you know he's he might, I don't think he's a great manager yet, but I don't necessarily see why he couldn't be. Um, yeah, I, I wish him well. He's he's done better. He did kind of maybe a bit better. Or it, it, was, it was a lot harder than people thought it would be this year. I think that's the one thing I would kind of keep saying about, about Lampard this season. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. I wish him well too. We'll see what happens. I'm wondering if the national team is possibly a, a good way for him to go, but... But regardless, Frank Lampard, no more. And we'll see. We'll have to wait and see what, what his next step is. James Bench, thank you so much for joining us on your day off. Thank you so much, James. Thanks for having me. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Que Golazo, a loaded episode. And now we have Jonathan Johnson uh, speaking from Paris. Uh, JJ, how are you, bud? Hey, very good. Thanks. And yourself? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us. Very quickly, JJ, we wanted your thoughts, as obviously with the news of Chelsea uh, firing uh, Frank Lampard, parting ways with their former player uh, and captain, and now Thomas Tuchel, who you know very well, of course, from his days with PSG. Uh, JJ, very simple here. What, what can we expect from this uh, new relationship as the German manager uh, joins Roman Abramovich's side. Yeah, it's a very interesting move, and it's one that Tuchel has wanted for a while. You know, he's sort of always seen the Premier League as his next destination after PSG, and I think it was quite telling. Uh, you know, when we were chatting about PSG getting rid of um, Tuchel and bringing in um, Mauricio Pochettino as his replacement, that Tuchel's severance package with PSG included him being immediately released from his contract and able to go back into work. So I think that those feelers were put out there by Chelsea a while ago. Uh, and I think it's that something that he's probably been working on since his dismissal at PSG. Uh, you know, he knows that he's going to be going to a team where he's already got a very strong lieutenant in Thiago Silva, who's there. They had a very good relationship. Uh, Tuchel didn't want to see him leave uh, PSG. Silva didn't want to, to leave PSG, but because of uh, sporting director Leonardo's decisions, uh, that 
parting of ways happened. So he's going to find somebody there who knows exactly what he wants. And I'm sure Silva will have already communicated that to his teammates. And I think we can expect uh, Tuchel to, to target certain key members of that squad, get them on side and similar in the way that he did with uh, Neymar uh, in Paris. You know, Neymar was one of the first guys that, that Tuchel reached out to, uh, met in person uh, and tried to win over to his methods. Uh, as I recall, it, it, it took a few meetings, but then Neymar, uh, you know, was very, very happy to, to, to work with Tuchel and they had a very good understanding. Angel Di Maria uh, was another as well. So it wouldn't surprise me, given the number um, of German guys in the, in, in the Chelsea squad, if, if Tuchel, uh, you know, will start reaching out to some of them because he can get his points across absolutely immediately. Tuchel's English is very, very good. Uh, so communication won't be a problem. Uh, but I think for him to ex express himself, uh, you know, absolutely fully, uh, you know, it will be helpful for, to have, for him to have guys like Timo Werner, uh, Kai Havertz, uh, and also, uh, you know, the likes of uh, Antonio Rudiger as well in that squad, you know, guys that he will know inside out uh, because of his time in German football and will feel that he can get the best out of them uh, immediately. Absolutely. Here's the, you know, that part, that last part that you just mentioned about, you know, Werner really looks like he's lost so much confidence missing that penalty in the FA Cup as well. Kai Havertz as well, I feel a little bit out of position. Um, you know, obviously the relationship, uh, not the relationship, but so much the confidence that uh, Tuchel can bring back will be really, really important. I see him as somebody that will stable the ship a little bit, especially defensively. I feel like Chelsea has looked a little vulnerable in defensive transition. Do you think Tuchel will be somebody that will put that as a major priority? You mentioned uh, the relationship with Thiago Silva, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he'll be looking for solidity from his defence. But I think the other thing to remember about Tuchel, especially in his early days with PSG, is he got very experimental with the tactics. So I expect him to test out a number of dis different systems, uh, you know, in trying to figure out his strongest eleven uh, and the best way to, to line up. Uh, that side, uh, and I, you know, I think as well, he's uh, he, you know, he's going to look at potential ways to get some of those guys who are struggling at the moment to give them some some confidence back. You know, he he can be a very difficult taskmaster. Uh, you know, and he'll come with staff who will make life difficult for for some of their players. You know, PSG, uh, you know, found life under the fitness coach Reina Shrey, assuming that that Tuchel does bring him as part of his staff. They found that aspect very difficult, very draining. Uh, you know, but but Chelsea seem in need of uh, you know some. Uh, uh, you know, some some sort of authority, uh, you know, somebody with a, a clear idea of what they want to do, uh, you know, and, and Tuchel is, is that kind of guy. He will form uh, a, a strong idea of, uh, of, of his preferred game plan very quickly. Uh, that will involve um, shoring up the defence. Uh, you know, he will not be afraid of potentially moving guys out of position and getting creative if he if he doesn't feel that his squad is 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 up to the, the the standards that he would want in certain areas he'll look for solutions within the within the group uh you know before asking for potential reinforcements in the next transfer window unless uh you know he's already gone to Chelsea with a with potentially one or two names in mind that he'd like to see uh, a move made for before the end of this window so i'm i'm curious to see uh you know exactly what he does with the first couple of matches because obviously there's not long to go uh, you know, before the, the Champions League latter stages gets underway and I'm sure people are already licking their lips at some potential reunion uh, some way down the line between uh, Tuchel and PSG who he of course took to the final of the Champions League uh, last season but 
you know, it's going to be absolutely paramount for him to, you know, rejuvenate some of those struggling stars. I mean, you mentioned Werner and uh, his confidence being at an all-time low after the penalty miss uh, over the weekend. You know, I think that is going to be uh, absolutely key for him. And the, the belief that he'll give the players when he comes in and, and says to them, OK, you know, you're one of my star guys. I'm, I'm looking for you to be a key performer under me. You know, that will breathe new life into, into some of these players. And I think Werner uh, and Havertz are definitely two who I expect to really, really benefit benefit uh, from him you know Pudisic as well well no in uh, Borussia Dortmund so that you know that's another guy for, who's very important to you know to Chelsea for now and for the future uh, who took will have a, a very good understanding with final question before you go I'm wondering what the future of Christian Pulisic is with this team if he fits in a Thomas Tuchel style obviously you know you mentioned uh, the wingers and the attacking players uh, that uh, Tuchel has worked with of course what do you make of the do you, you know because you know Pulisic was in a Lampard acquisition, uh, acquisition and now Tuchel comes in uh, just for you know obviously our American audience how, what does this mean for Christian Pulisic do you think? I think it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how much he's used in the first couple of weeks. I think working in his favour, you know, you look at the, the the sort of setup that the Tuchel was using at PSG, uh, you know, and he did have key men uh, in the in the wide positions. You know, uh, Kylian Mbappe wasn't always playing through the middle, and under Tuchel, he was sometimes put out wide. And Di Maria, who is you know one of the star men, the star performers uh, under Tuchel. Uh, you know, absolutely um, thrived out wide. So, uh, you know, I definitely think there's going to be opportunities for Pulisic to be, uh, you know, involved uh, as part of the, the the Chelsea attack moving forward. And I definitely think he's a guy that, that Tuchel will have high priority uh, on trying to, to get the best out of. And like I said, you know, that Dortmund link that they have, uh, you know, I think could really work both in, in, in Pulisic's favour uh, and, uh, and, and Tuchel's because Tuchel immediately goes in uh, and, and knows uh, a bit about uh, Pulisic's game, even if he's, you know, come on a lot more since, uh, since, since Tuchel parted ways with Dortmund. Uh, and, and Pulisic will know exactly what Tuchel is looking for from his players, what he wants them to do, uh, you know, and, and, you know, how he can best serve, uh, you know, the Germans' uh, tactical demands. Perfectly said there, Jonathan Johnson from Paris. Thank you so much, my friend, for joining us. No, thanks a lot for having me on. Always a pleasure and catch up soon. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Fabrizio Romano, James Bench, and Jonathan Johnson for joining me today. Please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us to grow the show. We're also on Spotify, on Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your platforms. We're also on cbsports.com. Follow us on Twitter, Kegolasso Pod. Have a great beginning to your week. See you next time.